my money. Money. I get money from you. Money in the bank. Young money. Money, 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 money. It's a rich man's world. I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. World-renowned financial advisor and best-selling author Barry James Dyke will arm you with the truth. This is The Economic Warrior. Please note, the opinions expressed on this show are of the individuals who speak them, and not necessarily of Portsmouth Community Radio, its members, or board of trustees. Amen, amen. And uh, it's good to see my sidekick, Will Pierce. He's back here from Greece, looking relaxed. Yep. And a little ouzo, a little bazooki music, maybe? No, just a lot of a lot of time in the Mediterranean. Mediterranean. Sounds good to me. We got a handsome Phil, and he's got his new uh, hairdo. Mm-hmm. He looks handsomer than ever, doesn't he? He uh, does. That's well, great. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Uh, so anyhow, we have, a, we have a great show today. We have uh, Christopher Music. We're going to be... He's um, one of the founders of Econologics down in Largo, Florida. Uh, Christopher, uh, it's a uh, pleasure to have you as a guest. And could you please give our audience um, your background about you and and your history and how you started the firm and how you've become one of the top financial advisors in the country? Well, sure, Barry. And uh, thanks for having me on the show. This is uh, this is pretty awesome. And uh, well, I've been a financial advisor for 26 years now, and uh, to make a long story very short, uh, I sat down with thousands of families, and I built a practice and sold it for twice the average market value back in 2002, moved to Florida, did some certifications in uh, uh, the financial planning and, and business consulting area. And then 2008, when the Great Recession hit, uh, I had worked with a lot of professionals. These are doctors, primarily in the healthcare field, who own their own practices, and uh, figured out that they were doing pretty well in practice, but they weren't showing uh, any personal wealth, uh, maintain or sustainable personal wealth, because of uh, a lack of, of a system on how to do that. So uh, went to work and created a uh, results-based financial planning system uh, that's based on scientific method and engineering logic called Econologics. And we've been uh, applying it now since 2010 to about 600 clients around the country, and uh, you know the results we get are just are just a quantum leap ahead of of uh, the, the typical financial advisor client relationship. Yeah, so you work with you know essentially you know, kind of high end clients around the country. Am I correct? Well, yeah. I mean, we don't have a, a particular uh, you know uh, account balance that we work with. We we are an SEC registered investment advisor, and we are uh, an insurance agency. But uh, we work with anybody who has a private practice because we know that if they learn how to run a business. And they learn marketing and sales and 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 leadership and all these different functions. Uh, they're going to make money in their business, and we just—that's our only real criteria. Uh, because if they do that, then we're going to get them to start channeling that to retirement goals, to education goals, personal development goals, whatever they are, uh, outside of the risk that's inherent in that business. So you know, we, we have a team of advisors. We have business coaches and consultants. We have accountants and attorneys, financial advisors. We work on this team approach uh, with, our, with our particular avatar of a client, which is that private practice owner. And uh, that, that's why we, we can create the kind of results we do. Now, Christopher, I have a question for you. And, and it seems, you know, I've been doing this, 
you've been doing 28 years. I've been old. I've been doing this 34 years, whatever. But uh, <laughs> you know, with the deregulation, if you will, uh, you know, it's crazy now. The banks are doing this stuff, and uh, you know, and, and I'm all off for competition, but I find a lot of this stuff, and this is my personal opinion, they're highly, highly incompetent. Um, and um, the, the the thing is, is that uh, so every I think everywhere you drive around now, you see another financial planner or planning firm. What makes econologics different? The main difference with econologics than than uh, what your, your your average certified financial planner, the CFP, will do yeah. is that econologics is based on a science. Uh, what I mean by that is that we begin with the end in mind. And the, the question that was really never asked uh, in the financial planning community that I've ever heard is what is the end result a, a client of a financial advisor should have yeah. at the end of that engagement? And uh, then once you define what that is, whatever that is, then how do you objectively measure whether or not that has been attained? And most financial advisors only focus on what they know, which is primarily uh, insurance, namely life insurance and annuities, yeah. and investments yeah. or, inve- or portfolio management. Yeah. Well, what about asset protection? Yeah. What about estate planning? What yeah. about tax reduction and mitigation and creating a system for that? What about educating the client on natural laws of money so they can make financial decisions that will always in, uh, put them in a level of confidence and certainty in their own financial decisions for their own future? What about a, a coordinated system of activities and a plan that defines this end product and step-by-step methods to attain that end product? Those are all missing because the CFP, if you look at the standards, yeah. which is basically six steps, um, you know, establish relationship with the client, gather data, um, analyze it, make recommendations, implement recommendations, and monitor the progress. Well, that's a consultative sales process, not necessarily a results-based system, and that's why we're different. Yeah, beginning with the end in mind, that's almost like, is that, I haven't read this in years, but isn't that Stephen Covey? Like the, that is. That, that, the, seven, uh, the seven principles of highly effective people? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, so you begin with the end in the mind. You know? So in other words, if you want to drive across country, you know, how do you get there? You know, and so you, if this is, you know, just to make an analogy, so if someone wants to drive to, say, Los Angeles from Largo, Florida, you're going to show them how to get there and get there safely and enjoy the ride. Exactly. You know, so, um, you know, one of the things, and we, we've talked this offline before, uh, Christopher, and I just want to get your input because, uh, as you know, I'm, I'm kind of opinionated. And, uh, uh, but, you know, I'm also, I like to research and, um, but what do you think is wrong with financial planning in America today? And, and what's wrong without retirement planning? Now, these are big questions, but these are big issues. And um, uh, what do you think is really going on? Well, I, I think it's twofold. Um, you know, one of, the, one of the statements that you made <laughs> that I use all the time out of the uh, Pirates of Manhattan was, uh, if you're not paying for your advice, the advertiser is. Yeah. I repeat that quite often, and that's true. Uh, I think what's happened is, as you know, most of the media channels today are run by six corporations yep. uh, that control over 90% of everything we see here and read about money. So I don't think those six corporations have our best interest in mind. So I, and, and if the information that we were getting was factual, then we would have 94% affluent uh, public. But we have the opposite. Yeah. So it, it can't be true. And people make decisions based on what they think is truth. 
that's the first biggest problem. Um, the second problem is that uh, we as a profession in financial planning have never evolved to the level of science. Yeah. Now, I talk to, like for example, I talk to veterinarians all the time. Veterinary medicine is very scientific. Every dog's anatomy is the same from breed to breed to breed. And every procedure they work out is identical from animal to animal. Well, we don't have that in financial planning. It, it grew up as a, again, a consultative sales process and not a scientific process. And it's true. We have, uh, you know, uh, actuarial science Yeah. as far as, you know, the insurance companies. We have, um, you know, mathematics and you know, uh, formulas and things like that that are scientific, but we don't have the human behavior element dialed in. Yeah. Uh, and habits generated in action from the client with a blueprint that we know if client takes 10 actions, they will get a certified, predictable, objectively measurable result. And that's never been really worked out. Um, and that's the reason why I think the public has difficulty with financial advisors because you go to 10 different advisors, you can get... get Ten completely different opinions on what to do, and that's as far from a science as you can get. Yeah, you know, and you know, the funny thing is, is that uh, you're a good researcher, Christopher, and I am too. You know, and I, you know, <laughs> because people ask me questions all the time, and you know, what great stock and holding. I don't know. <laughs> no one knows, but <laughs> um, I just don't know. But um, you know, I'm, I'm kind of even amazed. I mean, I, I was talking to this guy who had a uh, degree from a very high end. Uh, uh, school, Ivy League school, okay, not New England, okay, but uh, close, and 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 an MBA from this very high end Ivy League school, and I was telling him some of the research I've done about where the banks put their money, and the guy didn't have a clue, not a clue, you know, and um, mm -hmm. you know, so it's just, uh, um, have you found that um, um, that 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 uh, I don't know, people are, are people still trying to find the the next um, how can I put it, Nirvana or um, El Dorado, economic El Dorado, by picking the, the you know the correct stock or the correct mutual fund? To me, it's just a lot of hooey. But what do you think? Well, no one ever got rich, you know, owning a mutual fund. <laughs> so, <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's the first thing we look. Wealth is is created by production, yeah, and exchange of value. And you know, the problem is, even in our, our biggest institutions, they, they teach Keynesian economic theory. Yes. That doesn't work, has never worked, will never work. I don't care how much you put into it, you know, it's just not going to work. And, um, you know, economics is a very simple thing. You produce something of value. You exchange it with someone else for something of value. That's it. That's economics. And so that's why I work with, with, with practice owners, because they understand that you've got to create value to make value. Every small business owner knows that. Yeah, the, yeah. So I think that I think that our profession trying to tell the, the the public that you'll become rich by investing three hundred dollars a month in a mutual fund or whatever it is is uh, we're so off the mark we, we miss the the fundamental uh, factor is that each individual in our society must be able to create value that someone else will give them money for of their value for and until we all view that whether it's a nine-to-five job or we own a small business or whatever the case is, uh, we're, we're going to struggle financially. The only thing we can do as financial professionals is to help maintain the value that was created by, say, by reducing risk on it. 
Um, yeah, no. That, that's our role, as I see as financial advisors. Yeah, so, and uh, that's why I don't think that any you know any star mutual fund or any particular next big thing or shiny penny Bitcoin, whatever you want to use, is going to create <laughs> wealth. It's going to do it for a few people, but by and large, it won't. Yeah, uh, you know, I, I keep it really sim- simple, Christopher. Uh, I always just tell people the best investment is always going to be in yourself. And, yeah, that's exactly right. You know, yep. and. and uh, whether you be a, a carpenter or a, a bricklayer or a or a physician or a, a songwriter or whatever, you always get the highest return. I think it was a ben, Benjamin Franklin said the best education always pays the best interest or something like that. I, I forget what. Mm-hmm. But yeah, but, but a lot of people are, di- are really just dumbed down uh, these days. Um, so how do you educate your people? Well, I figured out a long time ago that I, I like public speaking. And so when I created this Ecologic system starting in 2008, uh, you know, I wanted to start working with these professionals. So I went to one of my friends who's a business consultant, and I said, hey, why don't you refer some clients to me? And he did. He gave me two train wrecks. I mean, like, dude, I want the good ones too, right? <laughs> and he said, well, why don't you make a seminar that we can sell and make some revenue from as a consulting group, as, as a service, you deliver it, and then we just add the financial plan in, and um, you can get the financial planning client. Well, like, great. So we started that in 2010, and we've been doing it ever since. And so three times a year, I deliver what's called the Private Practice Millionaire Academy. It is a three-day uh, retreat academy here in Clearwater, Clearwater Beach, Florida. As a matter of fact, I'm starting one tomorrow. And uh, we have doctors come in, and their spouses come in from all over the country. We spend three days... Uh, the, uh, two days is spent on the natural laws of finance, of you know, of taxes and inv- everything you can possibly imagine, and uh, we spend an entire day on how to build a practice to sell for maximum value in the marketplace. Eventually, when you're ready to do that, uh, it's like a master's level one-year personal finance education given in three days in fourth grade English. And I really, I don't want to say dumb it down, but I, I deliver it in a way where I don't use any nomenclature that is confusing to a non-financial professional. Yeah. So I break all that down. I define all the terms. I, I, I talk about it very simply, just so they can use the information, not necessarily to show off how you know, much you know. But the, the beautiful part about it is they walk out and they'll say uniformly that they have tremendous confidence, certainty, and control over their own financial future because they know what to do, and more importantly, they know what not to do. Yeah. Now the thing is, so you actually, uh, so let's say a veterinarian. I'm thinking this right now. I have a veterinarian who wants to sell his practice, mm-hmm. and uh, so like you would coach him on like how to sell the business, or how, what do you want to help him maximize the value, and, and you don't get involved in the sale of the business or anything like that, do you? Or? We don't. No, we, we. It's more of a, co- a consultative product on our end. Uh, I basically research seven different industries, uh, four of them in the healthcare space, and ask the buyers of businesses. What can I do in a practice that would make you give me more money for it? And those are called value drivers. And I found about 60 different value drivers that I teach in this academy. And we, we, um, we basically coach our clients, uh, look, you need to push in these 60 value drivers. We actually have something called a max value plan where it's a, it's a step-by-step uh, program on how to get these, these, um, this value embedded in the business. We do a practice valuation and all these kinds of other things. Uh, so they can treat this practice as... Uh, basically a retirement planning asset where they have some prediction 
of what they're going to get on the back end uh, of their career by just building a practice that's sellable. That's fantastic. Um, we just want to uh, bring up a question. This kind of gets off the uh, track of financial planning a little bit, but uh, I have a couple of questions, um, uh, just your personal opinion. And um, uh, uh, do you think this is, you know, me, uh, you know, the, the books I've written, um, do you think a lot of the whole financial system that just turned into a big casino, uh, does that make any sense to you? <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's one way to put it. Uh, I think the main problem we have with our financial system, is, it is, it's a lot of smoke and mirrors. It's a lot of deception. I mean, just the way the banking system is established worldwide, uh, you know, if, if people really understood that uh, how the money is owned and controlled, um, I, I think that, that people would be very leery about uh, banking and and trust and really how to proceed. It just it, it's a very dangerous environment, man. Yeah, and that, that that's the question because you're dealing with people. That one thing you're dealing with docs, you know, and veterinarians or whatever. A lot of people, Chris, as you know, <laughs> they don't read in this country, you know. Um, mm -hmm. And you've been – thank you. You bought a lot of my books. Full disclosure, thank you. Uh, and, and my kids, thank you. Um, but w what do people – you know, uh, so you're dealing with a very highly educated uh, uh, group of uh, clients, if you will. Uh, we're, ta we're talking about very smart people. And when you, s when you um, show them the truth of what banks do or whatever uh, with their retirement plans, what do they say? Uh, they kind of stand dumbfounded. Uh, I spend a lot of time on uh, a topic called perception management. And if you really want to have a good time, go Google that sometime. Um, but, you know, what we're being told is not at all what's really happening. That's just the fundamental underlying principle. And I think deep down we know that. So it, it's not surprising then when they realize that, uh, you know, the vast majority of, of where people have their money invested uh, is the exact opposite of where the people that are quote unquote in the know have <laughs> their money. And that's proven statistically, you know, um, just by you know, empirical evidence. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, uh, it's kind of like put your money here, but I'm going to put my money over there, <laughs> you know, as far as, and I, I think that's a lack of integrity. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it's I, well, people realize that. Yeah, Will Pierce, my psychic, uh, Christopher has a question for you. So, so what are Perfect. the bankers doing with their money? That's different from what they're advising. Well, uh, Barry, I want to go back to your book, <laughs> right? You know, where do bankers put their money? Yeah. Well, they put it in cash, gold bullion, and cash value life insurance. And annuities, yeah. Right, annuities, right? Yeah. So. So that's where they're putting their money, but yet they're 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 basically telling or finan the financial world is telling them invest your money in the stock market. Well, okay, but the, here's the problem I have with the stock market. With with my clients, all of their risk is in their business. Yeah. And if you just look at the risk of their business based on valuations alone, it is ten times riskier than the S and P 500. So why on earth would you take a retirement plan and put it into the, the stock market if you have no safe haven? Um, outside of your business value for your, your, your retirement plan. And that's when we start actually teaching them that, they go, oh, my gosh, I should not be in the stock market. Exactly. I'm not saying never. I'm saying until yeah. you get a, a good balance of your, um, of your risks. 
Yeah. So, so when you have the average, you know, in the I think the statistics are the average uh, American has seventy seven percent of their retirement plan in equities. Yes. Uh, well, gee, that's that's pretty high when you compare that to the fact that their job can be gone tomorrow, or their business can can you know uh, have significant adverse effects. So I think that that um, I, I believe truly that that people are not creating enough value where they where they live, investing in themselves, and they're trying to make it up being too speculative or over speculative in the equity markets. You that's, know. Where I, that's where I think is happening, especially given the fact that what we're being told about equity mar- markets is probably just not true. Now, you know, let me just ask you a question, Christopher. A lot of people, as you, but you know, the common wisdom um, is uh, the annuities are bad, life insurance is bad, and, and as the research I've done is uh, presumes <laughs> shows the exact opposite. And um, I'm just um, and um, the um, one of the things uh, now I've actually done this uh, more research, and you suggested I maybe should come up with another book. But you have these pundits like Elizabeth Warren and Ken Fisher and Dave Ramsey and uh, you know, Jane Bryan Quinn. I don't know if she's yapping about this stuff anymore. Or even the uh, you know a lot of these big papers like the Times and so forth saying you shouldn't buy annuities when they themselves are actually doing the the exact opposite. Are you aware of that? If you're not paying for your advice, the advertiser is. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Look, the unfortunately the, the the advice that is being given by your pundits is based on uh, who's paying them. Yeah. Let's yeah. be honest about it. Yeah, it's uh, right? yeah, yeah. Well, I I got to go. Yeah, I mean annuities, annuities have been around for a very long time, and I'm not saying every dollar you should have goes in annuities, and Amen. you should shun the, the the managed money thing. Yeah, I'm not saying that. I'm saying that if you if you viewed the household as one economic unit, and uh, and financial people looked at at the house as a, an entity rather than just the account by itself to the exclusion of other assets, then I think there's a place for everything. Yeah. And I think that's where we run into this, we'll never buy an annuity. Well, we'll never say never, because that's a stupid comment to make. You lose, you lose all credibility with me if you say that. You know, well, I have a stat here for you, Christopher. I don't know if you knew this, but uh, I'll share it with you now. Uh, do you know who the largest annuity, uh, corporate annuity was sold in, in the U.S. history was? I don't know that. It was General Motors. Uh, they bought a $29 billion annuity in uh, 2012. <laughs> and uh, I got one for you. This is true, and I'll, I'll go on I'll testify in court on this one. Uh, you know who the broker was for uh, who sold the annuity, this $29 billion annuity? The GM was, who we bi- just bailed out? Who do, you think, who, the, who do you think was the broker for, for General Motors' annuity sale? Merrill Lynch. Oh, That'd be Merrill would be my guess. No, Morgan Stanley. Morgan Stanley, okay. Okay. Wow, interesting. Now, okay, now I got I got another one for you. But didn't they? Who bought Merrill Lynch? Who absorbed uh, Bank, Bank of America. Bank okay. of America. Bank okay. Of America. Yeah. Uh, which is actually one of the largest owners of life insurance annuities in the world. Uh, but um, now I got another one for you, Christopher. And uh, maybe I should. Someone said I should come up with another book because I know this stuff. Um, you know what Morgan Stanley? How much? How much you know? Morgan Stanley makes like 50, 40, 50 percent of their revenues doing wealth advisement. I think they manage something like two to three trillion for people. 
guess how much money they have in their equities in their in their defined benefit pension, Christopher? It has to be a it's small a amount, like maybe fifteen, twenty percent. Yeah, fifteen, twenty percent. What do you think, uh, uh, Will? Uh, well, they know. I, well, 5%. I know. I I'm like a lawyer. You don't ever ask a question. No, they have zero percent of their their uh, their their uh, their um, defined benefit, uh, Christopher, in uh, equities. Interesting. Yeah. So, so yeah. So, so pesky facts. What are they telling their clients? Put it in the market. But they have it. They well, have that's a, the best example that I can give right there of of uh, you know how how fi- the financial advisory world is 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 just not um, correctly serving the public. That's just that's just that's there, there's your example. Yeah, this is so. But that's that's true, and I get that from the fifty five hundred. By the way, uh, you can you can go in that because it's my public record. But um, um, the um, now I have another question for you. As an advisor, what do you think? I don't know. Where did you grow up? You grew up in Ohio, Christopher? Yeah. Now, this is kind of a philosophical question um, because we were talking about it before. Do you have, uh, like, payday lenders or uh, installment loan companies down in Florida, that area? Am I correct? Oh, definitely. Yeah. And, uh, you know, what do you what do you think about this? I mean, it's, it's sad. I mean, it's just uh, – and we were talking about, the, you know, private equity is really big in this in this space. Um, there was a, uh, a great article in the Washington Post about uh, Mariner Financial, which was um, <clears throat> it is it is owned by Warburg Pincus, and Blackstone owns another one, and uh, Lone Star Funds uh, by John Craig owns another one, and um, so you have the title loans down there, and you have installment loans and all that stuff. Um, do, are we going backwards in terms? Of, are we getting more predatory in, in in finance today, or are we getting improving? What do you think? I think it's becoming far more predatory. Um, you know, greed is a very powerful motivator, and especially when you have a legislative environment that rewards moral hazard. Um, you know, someone commits a crime or does something where they defraud somebody and they they don't there's no penalty yeah. or punishment. Uh, worse, they get bailed out for it. You're going to have it again, and it'll get worse the next time. And that's just human nature. Uh, so I think the average person is completely out of fact because, you know, the um, kind of the inmates have taken over the, the prison, as it were. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but, and that's, I mean, that's a sad commentary, but th- that's exactly why I do what I do. Uh, a lot of our system is the educational component. If you, if you align your activity with natural laws, these are laws that are always true in all times and places, regardless of the current tax regime or banking regime or whatever. So I'm going back 5,000 years to the ancient Sumerian culture forward. Yeah. Um, you know, th- th- if you do these, if you uh, align your activities with these natural laws, you're really going to navigate this treacherous environment at a far more affluent level um, than the average person. And this comes down to my basic point. You know, I, I, don't th- I think people have, have forgotten that your financial and economic education has been deleted completely out of our school system. Yep. Amen. Amen. Right? Amen. Private schools. Even private schools. And Amen. And, and, of course, like I said, you know, they, they don't teach personal finance in, in colleges. They teach Keynesian economic theory and corporate finance. Neither one has anything whatsoever to do with the individual and his well-being. And uh, until we get some kind of um, 
of personal financial education and economics understanding from the elementary level on up, uh, we the people are going to continually be victimized by those uh, who have the power and the tools to exercise greed. That's just the simplicity of it. Yeah, it's it's yeah, it's just that's why you know I do what, what I do because it's just you know luckily you know we're kind of blessed we have good careers we can make a living and uh, a, a good one you know uh, an honest one. Um, but the uh, if people don't understand the banking system and um, you know uh, who who said it uh, you know uh, that Mark Twain said a banker will give you an umbrella when the sun is out and take it away when it rains and. And Henry Ford said, if people really understood the banking system and the Federal Reserve, I have no doubts there'd be revolution by tomorrow morning. And yep. uh, and Thomas Jefferson said, bank, uh, bank establishments are more dangerous than standing armies. So I think if we can educate people how things really work, um, you know, because I'm a, I'm a capitalist. I'm a free market guy, okay? But a lot of the stuff which we see now is crony capitalism and um, – and, 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 uh, so, what what would be your advice now? Do you have kids, uh, Christopher? No, um, I, I I don't know. Do you have kids, sir? I do not. I do not. Okay. Well, <laughs> anyway, so what you've been plowing this field a long time, but um, what would you tell young people now starting out? What would what would be your, your best advice for them to as they're starting their careers and uh, about saving and so forth? Well, the first thing I tell them is to read three books. Four books. <laughs> okay. First one, Think and Grow Rich, Napoleon Hill. Hey, great. That is a that is a must read for every young person. Number two, The Richest Man in Babylon. Great. By George Clayson. Clayson, yeah. And number three, um, The Way to Wealth by Benjamin Franklin. Yeah. Okay. Uh, just those three books alone. If you just if you just apply to the letter what they teach you. You will have a life of affluence. Just just those three alone. Uh, I would recommend uh, Pirates of Manhattan, of course. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> I really would. <laughs> my, my children, thank you. My girlfriend, thanks you. The station, thanks you. <laughs> well, Chris, you buy them by the hundreds, uh, right? <laughs> those are fun books to read. And um, uh, so those, I think, those are the the most important. Uh, and. Um, Really, just focus on keeping things simple. You know, if if you know, cause people, I think, know deep down the truth. They they you know everybody has this this truth indicator. You can hear someone talk and say, ah, I'm not quite sure that's true. <laughs> well, it's probably not. You know, I, I, my favorite example is home mortgages. You know, uh, I ask people in seminars all the time, if if you given an option, would you rather have your home paid off or would you rather have a mortgage on it? Everyone said, I never have it paid off. Okay, good. Well, then pay off your home. Well, my accountant says, and my financial advisor says, I should keep my mortgage. And I'm like, okay, mathematically show me how that works, where that is a benefit to you. Because I can't find the math. I've been looking for 25 years. I can't find the math. So there is a massive amount of propaganda being, being promoted through the financial planning community to the public that yeah. home mortgages on personal residences are a good thing. And they aren't. They uh, for that can uh, for business reasons, of course, but not for personal. And uh, so once we start looking at the truth of the matter of you know risk and what's happening and you know all these things, then people are like, "Well, I want to pay off my home." Absolutely. 
And then it's amazing what happens. They recognize the truth in that. Then they pay off their home. They're elated. Okay? And then they start, they, they obviously improve their financial conditions going higher. Yeah, because, so, yeah, because with the... You know, there's, it's to be able to recognize truth when you hear it. People know. People know. Don't don't invalidate if you if something w- sounds weird to you. It sounds weird. Yes. Dig for facts. Yes. So, did you have uh, my uh, Will Pierce? My psychist has a question for you, Christopher. Hey, yeah, Chris, yeah. So, so uh, let's say you're you want to start up a small business, like let's say a practice. Um, what advice do you give to people to design their business? So, I guess their long term goal is is it to uh, sell it at a profit or in the end or well, okay. So uh, now we're back to begin with the end in mind. Mm-hmm. All right. Every small business owner is going to exit their business one of seven ways. You can die with your boots on. You can sell it in a various different ways. You can uh, gift it. You can sell it to your employees. Um, you can let it die on the vine. Just let it wind down into nothing. There's all kinds of ways you can you can exit a business, but but there has to be a definite end. You know, we we're good at starting, and we're good at running and maintaining, but we never think about the end, and there always is an end. So uh, my advice is is to like here I'll tell you what I did when when I started my first financial planning firm when I was up in Ohio I was 23 years old. I sat down one Saturday on a, on a February back in 1992 or three. And I wrote down, I'm going to build this business for a certain amount of time with a certain amount of clients, with a certain amount of assets, and I'm going to sell it at this time frame, and I, I threw it away. And then I, uh, about three years before I sold it, I met a guy, I took him on as an associate, and I brought him through the paces to, to buy my practice out. And I remember the day I signed the papers, January 2nd of 2002, I signed the papers um, to sell my practice to him, and I was elated because... I realized that I did exactly what I said I was going to do almost 10 years prior, almost to the letter, and uh, realized that if you just put it there as an end of a cycle, then you will unconsciously even build the business and follow the path toward the end of that cycle. And that is what creates the ultimate freedom in private practice, rather than just trying to stay in and practice and run and run and run and run like on a treadmill with no end in sight. I, I see billions of dollars of value being being ruined because practice owners don't have a uh, or any business owner doesn't have a, a, a real plan for an exit and that's just a shame well let's say it's not even taught in business school at all mm-hmm. which is un, which is truly unfortunate w- would you put your did you put your own personal name on the business or or would, would you use a um, I think you use another name right or yeah yeah my, or? I've always been a believer in in, in using other names um, I mean, you can create all kinds of intellectual property, and you can, you know, you be the be the face and, and name or the expert attached to that business. But I'm a big believer in in having a an, an an identity of a business that would transcend you as an individual. That's that sounds great. Well, Christopher, we'll come to the end of the show. How can people find out more about you? Uh, you're on the web. Where where can they find you on the web, Christopher? Yeah, EconologicsFinancialAdvisors.com. Yeah, and or or pchristophermusic.com. Okay, which is my own personal website. Oh, you have your own personal website too. Okay, that's cool. I yeah. didn't know that. I didn't know you 
I'm glad I asked. And uh, yeah, well, Christopher, keep pushing back the uh, the frontiers of ignorance, and uh, uh, we'll have to round up. And yeah, I'll, I'll let you know some of the other research I'm doing offline, and uh, uh, so I hopefully can get it out into the public domain. Well, sounds awesome, Barry. Thank you so much for having me on. This was a great time. Uh, everybody out there listening, I hope you gleaned. Uh, uh, a bit of wisdom from this, and um, if we can help in any way, of course, you know, reach out to me. All right. Thanks. You have a wonderful day, Christopher. All right, brother. Thank you. Take care. God bless. You too. This has been The Economic Warrior with your host, Barry James Dyke, broadcast live at WSCA Portsmouth Community Radio, engineered by Phil Kleiger. If you have any questions about today's show, or need an ally in conquering the battleground of finance, contact the warrior himself at barryjamesdyke.com. Who are the warriors?